0: Welcome to River City 360. Views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bichtel. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk.
1: Looking to spread a little Christmas cheer this holiday season? Find out how you can help our community through the Christmas Cheer Board. We'll be speaking with its executive director, Kai Madsen, on the
0: many different ways that you can help. Then, we'll talk about the importance of art in our city. A cool new partnership between police officers and youth in the inner city is creating bonds and improving communication through art. We'll hear from the Chief of Police, Danny Smythe, about what it means to have this kind of programming here in Winnipeg.
1: We'll also learn more about the Green Light Go event that's being held by the State of the Inner City Report 2018. And that event is aiming to improve transportation equity in our city. Our very own Carolina Stetcher spoke with Ellen Smurl, project coordinator at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives Manitoba and author of the State of the Inner City Report.
0: Then we spoke with Catherine McLennan of the Shoestring Players, which is an art troupe who will be performing at the Women's Canadian Club of Winnipeg. They're having a holiday luncheon next week. And finally, we'll learn more
1: about Wabung Abanusiag, and learn more about how Wabung provides supports for children and families affected by domestic violence, and also about its upcoming Holiday Mix and Mingle fundraiser to support its community Christmas celebration.
0: We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC 360. It's a beautiful December afternoon. Robert, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing not too bad, Nolan. How are you doing today? It's pretty
0: cool. I mean, uh, we're in our own kind of different studio setup today just because the uh, CJNU studios are moving from the Winnipeg Foundation offices down into the uh, concourse of the Richardson Building. So... Uh, it's going to be a little bit chaotic for the next couple of weeks, I think, as far as putting the show together and, and getting in and out of the studio. But uh, it's pretty cool. And the uh, CJNU is going to have a, f- a storefront down if you're ever in the Richardson building in the concourse there. So go check things out. It's really cool. And it's a great little move for them. And it'll give them a little bit more front facing uh, to the community. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, CJNU has really grown quite a bit over yeah. the over the years. And I think they've you know it's a it's a wonderful space that they've had up here but i think it's it's kind of They've really outgrown it. There's so many people that are uh, that are volunteering and working to uh, to bring you great community radio here in Winnipeg. Um, so this will be a fantastic move for them, and we're really happy. Uh, we're really happy they have this uh, this new space. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. So if you're ever in the area, I guess it won't be settled until maybe next week. But if you're ever in the area in the Richardson Building, come check them out. CJNU is uh, downstairs in the uh, in the Richardson Building. Check them out. Come say hi. Drop in and and see what's up. Uh, they're going to be delivering a ton of great programming in the next i mean years to come and in the next hour to come we've got a ton of great programming as well um lots of conversations talking about uh, inner city kids and and transportation and the uh, state of the inner city report we've got a conversation about the christmas cheerboard with kai madsen coming up and uh a, as well as a conversation with Catherine mcclennan uh, of the shoestring player so a show that sort of runs the gamut about a whole bunch of things happening in and around winnipeg all the good people doing all the great work here in the city but we always kick off river city 360 with some music so what have you got for us today robert
1: well i think seeing as how uh you know we're fully into december we're at the middle of the month at this point how about karen plato with december right here on river city 360.
2: (laughs)
3: This is the way of descent.
4: Thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo and today I'm at the Christmas Cheerboard's new location on 947 St. James Street, and I'm here speaking with Kai Madsen, the Christmas Cheerboard Executive Director. Welcome to the show.
5: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's always fun to chat with folks that uh, I like.
4: Correct me if I'm wrong, you have been a volunteer now at the Christmas Cheerboard for 49 years.
5: 49 Christmases, yes. And uh, actually, I was thinking seriously about retiring Last year, and then uh, my board of directors said, You know, Kai, the cheerboard is going to be 99 this year, and you're going to be at 49. So, if we move that up one more year, that's 100, and then yours is a 50. So, maybe you should think about saying so. That's where we're at.
4: You were at the Milt Steagle Drive location for 13 years. How is it different here now at the new St. James location?
5: Well, it's, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, we have less space, and uh, we, um, we have to be a little more creative in how we manage that space. Uh, but uh, the volunteers that are here are f- phenomenal. They, uh, they're extremely hardworking, and there's a great deal of expertise. I'm not allowed to go out and buy anything without checking with my volunteers because they know where they can get it for free. So that's how it works around here. And they came together and, you know, sure, quarters are tight. But uh, we're uh, we're managing and, and doing quite well, actually.
4: And speaking of volunteers, how many volunteers would you say it takes to operate the cheerboard every year?
5: Well, I mean, you can you can say that virtually everybody in Winnipeg, at some point or another, uh, are involved directly or indirectly. I mean, we have companies that uh, have uh, casual Fridays and and have bake sales and, and things of that nature, and, and in a sense, you know, they're volunteering to help the Christmas cheerboard. But the actual physical operation here at the warehouse uh, there's about three hundred sort of people within the warehouse and then we have uh, about a thousand school kids that come in and pack the hampers and uh, we have a thousand knitters and these are for the most part seniors and they come and then when it's time to deliver there's about roughly two thousand folks that come with their own cars and use their own gas and uh, so they come so altogether you know three four thousand people are uh, part of the process
4: and speaking of volunteers as well, uh, we actually have some students here from Windsor Park Collegiate who are helping to uh, do 200 hampers for six or more in a family. How does it feel to have that support from the youth?
5: Well, you know what, it's, it's really, really good because although I referenced my uh, volunteers here and how they're creative and hardworking, we have to accept the fact that we do have some gray hair amongst us. And so when we have these youngsters in here with energy to burn, It also makes us feel younger and uh, all of a sudden there's more energy there.
4: Speaking of some of the donations that you receive I understand that you have food you have toys but when people donate what do you usually hope that people
5: get? There are a number of things of course we can uh, we by the way we buy all the turkeys and the reason for that of course is that it's a product that must be looked after properly so for us we buy them just to make sure that that's looked after but people can buy groceries and uh, we you know on our website we have a list of the things that are primarily the things that we need most of and the same with toys and we tend to focus on the areas where we never get quite enough donated and there we have to go and buy whether it be groceries or toys we have to go out and buy them to fill in the the shorts shortfall that we have in various areas and of course that's the reason why we need to raise eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and it's not as if I have an opportunity to sort of send things back because the commitment that the cheerboard has to make whether it be on groceries or toys or, or um, turkeys We have to make those choices and that commitment back in June, July, and August. So we're on the hook. So we have to raise that kind of money in order to pay the bills. They're not paid yet, so we're still working on it.
4: What you've done here for over 99 years of operation has helped a lot of families along the way. I can speak for myself saying as a child, I did receive a hamper once upon a time. So there is a really strong connection. It's real people receiving these gifts. But in order for that to happen, the donations have to happen as well. And I understand that last year, you know, donations were down. So how can people help, really?
5: Well, I mean, uh, the, the easy answer is make sure that if you sent a check last year, send one again this year. And there are all kinds of ways that you can make that happen. You can send things to the Free Press, to the Miracle on Mountain, or you can send it to the Empty Stocking Fund at The Sun. You can drop into any TD or CIBC branch, or we love seeing folks down here. Come down here, we'll issue the receipt on the spot and uh, make sure that we're able to pay those bills that we talked about.
4: How can people get a hold of you? Like, what's your website, phone number? How can people get a hold of
5: you? It's really easy. Well, first of all, you know how search engines work. You just go Christmas Cheerboard, and that's it. You'll find it. But, I mean, uh, the actual web page is ChristmasCheerboard.ca. And uh, there's guidance there as to how you can have uh, become involved in the Feed a Family program or you can can find ways you can hit the donate button and uh, we'll look after things. And uh, as a registered charity, we'll make sure it's looked after and and, uh, dealt with and you get a proper receipt so Revenue Canada is looked after. Can
4: you share one personal story? I know you have one that you told me a little bit earlier. Can you share us a little bit about that?
5: You know, it's, um, it's the kind of stories that I don't tell too often because I'm very soft, so I'll, tr- I'll try and keep this on the level. But uh, my daughter lives in Edmonton and, or just outside of Edmonton, and um, she's, she's very proud of what, what we achieve and what we do here. And so she was going to see her doctor, and uh, she, in the conversation, talked about her dad in Winnipeg in the Christmas cheerboard. And then she, because my daughter's name is, of course, not Madsen, it's because she's married, so the doctor didn't realize the connection, so she said that my dad's name is Kai, which is not that common a name. And she, Kai in Winnipeg, and the lady says, Is the last name Madsen? And my daughter says, Yes. And then the doctor went on to explain how when she first came to Canada, she the degree that she had from wherever she came from wasn't good enough, and she had to go back to school. And as an immigrant to Canada, she received a hamper from the tier board in Winnipeg and then went on to become a registered doctor in Canada. And so that's a good story. Exactly. And that's what Christmas is
4: all about, right? It's helping others, and it's funny that years after the fact that people remember these things just like i did for all of you that are looking to brighten up somebody's spirits during the holidays i hope i'll think about the christmas cheerboard this holiday season but again thank you very much kai for speaking with us today you have yourself a wonderful day
5: i will and merry christmas to everyone
0: Thanks, Sunny, and thanks again to Kai Madsen for speaking with us today. Coming up next, we're going to be learning about a really cool partnership uh, that's taking place between the Winnipeg Police Service and Studio 393. Uh, The group at Graffiti Art Programming's Studio 393 kind of joined forces uh, with police officers here in our city to create some really cool murals and some other art projects that are uh, being prominently displayed all around our city. Sonny was able to speak with the Chief of Police at the celebration event last week to learn all about this partnership. Uh, But we're going to get to that after our next musical break, which is actually Burt Bacharach with That's What Friends Are For, right here on RC360.
6: Thank
4: you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and last week I visited Studio 393 and met with inner-city youth and members of the Winnipeg Police Service to celebrate a collaborative effort between the Winnipeg Police Service and Graffiti Art Programming Studio 393. The program helps to dispel the notion that police and inner-city youth can't work together. Through a collaborative effort, the Winnipeg Police Service and Studio 393 have teamed up to create Intersections, a mural that is now on the walls of the North End precincts in the city. This art program removes the uniforms and stereotypes, breaking down barriers, and allows the two to work together as equals and as artists. During the celebration, I had the amazing opportunity to speak with the Winnipeg Police Service's Tracy Patterson, who is also the brainchild of the program, and the Chief of Police, Danny Smythe, on his thoughts. Here is my discussion with both. With me today is Chief of Police, Danny Smythe. What does it mean to have this type of programming here in the city?
6: Well, art is so important in any community, and certainly a, a thrill to be able to share this space with the artists that are here. So I don't know if, if you explained the backdrop here, they did a, uh, a collage for us. It's up on our North End station now. So that was our first introduction to, to the group here. This is my first chance to actually see the mural and uh, and to thank the artists for being involved.
4: Awesome. And what are your thoughts of the mural itself? I, I know you mentioned something about it being uh, portable, which is a good thing. Can you kind of elaborate?
6: Well, you know, the, our North End station is kind of past its best before date now and uh, that mural is probably beautifying that station more than anything, but certainly when we build another station uh, in the North End, we'll be pleased to take that with us and uh, and to display it in our new home as well. And what
4: does it mean for you uh, as uh, Chief of Police to see youth engaged in the arts and you know, just doing positive things with their time?
6: Well just to be able to engage with youth is, is so important uh, anyway. but. Uh, Certainly, you know, what I was saying to the kids earlier, I've traveled in a lot of cities, and what makes cities interesting is often their architecture and their art. And uh, uh, certainly music and, and, and graffiti itself has really become come into its own as an art form. It is, it is nice to be able to, uh, to appreciate it and, and to share that with the, with the artists here.
4: Awesome, thank you very much for your time.
6: You're welcome, thank you.
4: Welcome to the show, Chase. Thank you. What made you come up with this idea?
7: Um, well, to be honest, uh, I actually was an artist, uh, thought to be an artist <laughs> before I joined the police force uh, when I was 30. So um, I thought when I got on the service, there was a lack of interaction with the youth when it came to the arts programs and stuff because you always saw the sports programs and the music programs and stuff like that and nothing really involving visual arts and dance and stuff like that and I thought why not I went to a meeting at Graffiti Art Gallery just by chance in an old unit that I was in and started a conversation uh, up with Steve and this came to fruition and that's how that, that came about
4: What does it mean to have youth so engaged in the arts?
7: Oh, it's, it's amazing. I just, uh, I know when I was young, um, I spent a lot of my spare time drawing and stuff like that. Um, it kept me out of trouble. I know that. Um, so I feel that it's, it's definitely a, a good place for kids to express themselves if they can't really do it in any other form. And if kids aren't into, say, sports or team activities or something like that, at least they can still be involved in group programs, even though art could be considered more individual. So I just find it's a great place for kids to uh, express themselves and share.
4: There's a new mural up at one of the north precincts, yes. I believe. Yeah. What was the reception from the Winnipeg Police Service with that mural?
7: Um, from what I know, uh, speaking to uh, Brian, uh, that's his, his, uh, his child, <laughs> in a sense, um, it was an amazing response. Uh, it was kind of, they thought it was kind of cool to see uh, another police officer do the artwork that was actually inspired by the kids um, and the other officers that were involved in the program. So it was a mix of both the, I, the youth and the uh, officers so um, that was all his and it was a positive response from everybody. So.
4: And is there anything that you would like to say about the youth or Studio 393 or this program?
7: Um, I just want to say I want it to continue. Um, I'm hoping in the future that more officers get involved. I know work-life balance uh, with police officers sometimes is hard, um, but I'm hoping that, uh, because I know there's a lot more uh, artistic officers out there, um, so hopefully they can find some time to to designate to uh, 393 and Graffiti Art Gallery and even uh, Art City, other little studios and after-school programs that kids do uh, for the art programs. I think uh, if police officers even once in a while stopped in, showed their interest i think that would be a very positive step
4: thank you so much for your time
7: you're welcome thanks
4: thanks again to the winnipeg police service and studio 3934 allowing us to join in in the festivities and check out the mural we look forward to seeing even more collaborative art in the future
1: thanks again sunny for that report up next, RC360's Carolina Stetcher spoke with Ellen Smurl, the project coordinator at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives Manitoba and author of the State of the Inner City Report. We'll hear highlights from that conversation after our next musical break. Right now, we're going to hear Now is the Hour by Frank Mills right here on River City360.
0: That was Now is the Hour by Frank Mills. You are listening to RC360 with Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk, right here on 93.7CJNU. So last week, the State of the Inner City report that was released in 2018 had a green light go Improving Transportation Equity event that was at Thunderbird House, and our very own Carolina Stetcher was in attendance. She was actually get uh, able to speak with Ellen Smurl, who is the project coordinator at the Canadian Center for Poli- Al- Policy Alternatives Manitoba, and was the author of the State of the Inner City report. This event was focusing mostly on transportation and and sort of the equity and how it pertains to poverty and other issues in our city but talking about bus issues and and different transportation methods um, carolina asked miss smurl about one of the main issues that she's seeing in regards to transit as it pertains to the inner city
8: affordability is the big one uh, people are having really struggling to pay for transit fares um, especially with the increase the last year of the twenty five cents a lot of people that hit them really hard um, Again, when people are transit dependent, convenience and reliability of the bus schedules is very important. Uh, some people we spoke to said that actually they prefer to bike because they can sort of ensure that they're getting where they need to go on time. Um, and then safety is a concern for a lot of people. Uh, concerned about walking alone at night, waiting at bus stops is, uh, was cited quite a bit. And then the accessibility issue for people who are using, who have disabilities, um, as well as seniors struggling to kind of use handy transit services or regular services.
0: Now during this event, a low-income bus pass was suggested as it has been brought up uh, in the past, and here's what Ms. Smurl had to say about that.
8: We'd very much like to see a sliding scale for the low-income bus pass. Um, It accounts for the differences in what people are able to pay. In terms of people who receive EIA, uh, we actually take the position that it should just be made available. It should just be free because people... What ends up happening oftentimes uh, for, um, you know, benefits for low-income people is they get stuck in this trap, this poverty trap, and you can't get out of it if you are not able to get to employment, not able to get to uh, education or groceries or the things that you need to to live.
0: Carolina also asked why the state of the inner city should matter to the rest of Winnipeggers.
8: Well, I think fundamentally um, most people want to live in a more equitable society. the transportation, the recommendations that we make for the transportation system are to benefit everybody. It's not we don't live in a world where y- you know you go past a certain street and the transportation transportation system uh, changes all that much. Uh, we want to encourage the idea of bigger thinking about uh, investment and improving the transportation system for everybody. Um, if you are you know even if 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 you don't care about sort of improving the lives of people who have historically faced greater marginalization there's also the argument to be made that from you know a cost Benefit situation: um, Investing in transit upfront actually improves people's ability to get employment, which you know increases the tax base, which increases. The, so there's all these other greater um, effects that we can have by improving transportation for people.
0: They also talked about sort of what comes next after the report, uh, what comes next after events like these and and discussions like these as well.
8: This is just the start of the conversation. Um, We really hope that people will use the document to advocate for changes at both the city level and the provincial level. Uh, We provide the reports to all elected officials so that they can hopefully read them and uh, implement some of the strategies that we've outlined. And uh, yeah, we just want to keep the conversation going on it.
0: In these discussions, the term equity and equality often get thrown around quite a bit, but in this particular conversation, uh, Ellen Smurl chose the word equity quite deliberately. Carolina asked Miss Smurl why exactly that was.
8: Well, because equality um, is implies sameness of people, but what we know is that not everybody starts off at the same point in life. There's a lot of people who start off with severe disadvantages, um, you know, for, while we live, while a lot of people like to think that we live in a meritocracy, a lot of our success in life comes from the support that we receive around us. So even when people have, you know, if you have a friend who can drive you somewhere, if you have an aunt and uncle that you can borrow their car from to do moving, I spoke to a lot of people who don't even have that. When they move, they move with a shopping cart, you know, or when they have to do laundry, they drag it down the street in a wagon. Um, so, it's really important to think that about how people start off at a different point. In order to get to a level where we all can have the same opportunities and take advantage of the same opportunities, some people need to have a little bit more than others.
0: Thanks again to Carolina Stetcher for that report, as well as to Ellen Smurl, project coordinator at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives Manitoba, who is also the author of the State of the Inner City report. If you'd like to read that report, you can visit policyalternatives.ca slash Manitoba. Again, that's policyalternatives, all one word, ca slash Manitoba. Coming up next, our very own Sonny promolo returns to the show with uh, his conversation with Catherine mcclennan she's an executive and director for the shoestring players which is an art troupe that's going to be performing next week at the women's canadian club of winnipeg's holiday luncheon but before we get to that conversation how about a little bit of our winter love by bill purcell right here on river city 360
2: Oh, my God.
4: for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Pomolo and with me today is Catherine McLennan who is one of the executives for Shoestring Players and also a director. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we start, uh, what is Shoestring Players?
9: Well, we're a community theatre group and uh, we've been around for a long time. We consist of about Forty members and most of the members are interested in acting, uh, but there are a number who are devotees behind the scenes and do a lot of work with sets, lighting, sound, props, costumes, publicity, and as a group we're a big family. We really enjoy each other's company as well as our art. All participation is voluntary. No one gets paid. Occasionally, we give a portion of our profits to a charity, as we did with uh, I Remember Mama in 2017 and Our Town in 2018. And in both cases, a large sum was donated to Hospitality House, a haven for refugees. Uh, We were able to do this mainly because there was no charge for the venue. Uh, St. John's Cathedral provided us with a stage. And I want to mention as well, our regular rehearsal space is at Churchill Park United Church, and they've been very generous in accommodating us. Uh, We are presently in rehearsal for The Pillars of Society, Mm -hmm. our entry in Ibsenfest, which uh, Carl Ekstrand and Mike Seacomb are directing, the cast of 15. So that's
4: currently what we're up to. Very neat. I see here that you won Best of Fest at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival in 2008, which is an amazing accolade. Uh, so what makes you different uh, than other theatre troupes?
9: Well, for one thing, we're not affiliated with a particular uh, group, um, such as an ethnic group. We uh, operate in, on our own, and uh, we have no sponsors. Um, we welcome everyone. So in that way, it's uh, all-encompassing, all-inclusive. So I, I suppose in that way, we are, we are different.
4: And so the name Shoestring, where does that come from? <laughs> well,
9: uh, it wasn't given to our group until 1985. Uh, the group actually started in um, 1969. Oh. Uh, it was part of the um, Manitoba Speech Association program to promote speech and uh, they performed in various venues, hospitals, and schools. Uh, but very soon, they were, they were producing full-stage productions, and uh, by that time, we felt we were really a company, so we were called the shoestring players because we were operating on a real shoestring, and we still are, I have to <laughs> say that. So um, that's part of our history. Um, we, um, well, we've been performing in act festivals and uh, fringe festivals, Master Playwright Festivals,
4: as we are this year for Ibsen Fest. Mm. So, um, yes, shoestring budget for sure. (laughs) Coming up, you actually have a performance at the uh, Women's Canadian Club of Winnipeg Holiday Luncheon, uh, which will be held on December 18th at the Winnipeg Convention Centre, Pan Am Room. What kind of uh, performances will you be doing there?
9: Well, we've chosen two plays, two short plays, uh, and we are presenting them as staged readings. Um by that, I mean, basically, they're readers' theatre in that the actors are, are holding scripts. But we've added some movement and uh, costumes to make it more interesting. Uh, the two shows that we're presenting, or two plays, are Countdown by Alan Aikborne. Uh He's one of our favourites. We uh, performed one of his plays at Akeborn Fest a couple of years ago. And that's a two-hander, and it's directed by Maureen Taggart. And the second play is a very old play, The Deer Departed, written in 1910 by Stanley Houghton. And we're performing it in period costume. Um, By the way, our costume man is Bob Butler, and he does wonders for us. Mm. Uh, So the first is in in modern, and the second is the Victorian comedy. And I want to mention that Lyle Smorden, who has a program uh, with this station, regular program, he has a role in our play.
4: For those who are interested in checking this out, you can uh, visit the Women's Canadian Club of Winnipeg's uh, email or give them a call. Uh, their email is WCCWinnipeg at gmail.com. Again, that's WCCWinnipeg at gmail.com. Or give them a call between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. at 204-663-5657. Again, that's 204-663-5657. Five seven, and I noticed that uh, all the proceeds go towards the Women's Canadian Club of Winnipeg Scholarship Fund for U of M Environmental Studies students. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, any uh, upcoming events other than this one for you guys at Shoestring?
9: Well, did I mention already? The Pillars of Society is mm-hmm. our contribution to Ibsen Fest oh, yeah. uh, to be held uh, end of January to beginning of February, January thirty first to February the fifth, I believe. In the spring, we're doing a play by Ron Blick called Closure, and I'll be directing that one. I'd just like to tell you a little bit about our connection with the, with the Women's Canadian For Club, sure. if I might, because it really has been a, a very special uh, collaboration Um About 10 years ago, they began selling cookies and books in our foyer at at our shows. Uh And uh, we gave them some tickets to sell for them to raise money for their charity. So it it enhanced our audience and gave them uh, some support as well. And um, and then um, lately, well, the last four years now this is our fourth production for them Um, they've come and and made dinners for us in the fall to start at our startup meetings and we just felt we'd like to do something for them too because they they would serve 30 people each time at least 30 and so we we give this performance to them as our thank you for that and uh, it works really nicely we have we've created many friendships in this
4: relationship. That's really amazing. It's great to see the community really come together. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. And so for those that are interested in shoestring players, how can people get a hold of you or uh, learn about your upcoming events? Uh, we do have a
9: Facebook page. So you can check that out. Uh, We're working on a website, actually. Hopefully that will come come about as well. Um, The person to contact is Pete Hudson. I think if you check Facebook page and let us know that you're interested, we certainly will get in touch with you. Perfect. Shoestring Players Winnipeg.
4: Awesome. So is there anything uh, before you uh, go today? No,
9: I, I just want to thank you for this opportunity because, as I say, this has been a relationship that's been uh, been around for a long time and not many people know about it. So this is really nice that we have a chance to to promote this uh, uh, and to promote the Winnipeg Canadians Club as well.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming down to River City 360 mm. today. It's thank been a pleasure. Thank you. It's
9: my pleasure.
4: Thanks, Sunny. Up next, we'll
1: learn more about how Wabung Abanusiag provides supports for children and families affected by domestic violence, and we'll also find out about its upcoming Holiday Mix and Mingle fundraiser on Thursday, December 20th that supports its community Christmas celebration. Before we get to that conversation, though, here is Claude Thornhill and his orchestra with Snowfall Theme right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360, Robert Zirk here with you today, and I'm now joined via telephone by Dana Riccio-Arabi, she is the Executive Director of Wabung Abanusiag. Dana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Wabung Abanusiag provides support for children and families who are affected by domestic violence. Tell me a little bit more about Wabung's mission and how it got started.
10: So Wabang, we're a domestic violence prevention, healing, and crisis center here in Winnipeg, and we were established in 1994 to empower children and their families to end the cycle of violence. Um, So Wabang Abhinousiak actually translates into English to children of tomorrow. And so we provide opportunities for holistic healing um, through culturally relevant teachings, programs. Uh, We do advocacy and counseling and training opportunities for, for the community in Winnipeg.
1: And Wabung offers a variety of different resources and programs and supports for families. Can you tell us a little bit more about the different kinds of programs and services it offers?
10: We provide programming for children, for youth, mothers and women, for parenting program and women's programs. Uh, We also provide housing support. And so we look at supporting women and their and their families who are experiencing homelessness or are at risk of homelessness due to domestic violence. All of our programming is through a holistic lens and a cultural appropriate programming. And we also do a lot of capacity building. So we have a volunteer program. We have childminding. So when folks come into the center, whether you have a two-month-old, a six-year-old, a 14-year-old, there's a program for everyone. So when you come in, um, all of our programs are run, and it's a transparent program, and so we do a lot of teachings through the Seven Sacred Teachings and we support families to end the cycle of violence together. We also are providing workshops which are domestic violence training for community. So they're four day workshops that teach what is domestic violence and we take we take women through the healing journey on um, being able to tell their own stories and feel empowered to tell their stories, to setting up safety plans, to learning about their traumas and their, their experience that they had but then also to feel empowered to, to walk forward in a in in a good way, and so we really take initiative to make sure that we're walking together in a strong and healthy way in the community.
1: And as you mentioned, traditional teachings are really central to the programs and services that Wabung offers. Can you speak to why that holistic and cultural approach is so important in helping to empower
10: families? We're an indigenous organization, an indigenous-led organization, and we're based on the Seven Sacred Teachings. And we we really want to empower our community um, through love and respect and telling their truth and humility. And it's important because this is the base and the root of who we are as humans. And so we want to make sure that our families are supported. And the underlying of it all is healthy relationships, healthy people, healthy communities. And so when we come from a holistic approach, it's a value-based and strength Based approach that welcomes everybody no matter your culture no matter your heritage but we're healing together in a safe and nurturing nurturing environment and so incorporating the culture is it brings in a sense of pride it brings in a sense of belonging and a, it allows folks to really get to know themselves and their their identity and their pride um, for who they are and what we want is we want our women to feel empowered we want to end the cycle of violence together and that starts with our women it starts with our children and our youth and we we go together and we walk together in a good way
0: can you
1: share a couple of examples of how some of these programs and services are really making a difference in the lives of children and families
10: absolutely we had um, a program here called the empowering indigenous women and girls program and essentially what happened was there was a group of 20 women who came together and it was about empowering voice about strengthening the women to tell their stories but then to also educate and bring awareness to the community and something that came out of that was our women were able to a build relationships with other women who are experiencing violence or have been impacted by violence and then b because we provide child care to all of our women who are in programming the children were able to come together and have a sense of belonging and the youth were able to talk and really build on relationships together so we're strengthening a community and so these groups of women they actually came together and they created Events, and one of them is our annual domestic violence walk, and so this past November was our second domestic violence walk that brings the community together. So over a hundred people come and we we march uh, we have our drumming our women from the drumming program lead, and we're able to bring awareness to the community and then also have folks understand that domestic violence is a community issue, and we need to come together to to end the cycle together.
2: The
1: Winnipeg Foundation has been piloting a multi-year community grants program and Wabung-Abinusiag recently received a multi-year community grant to build capacity in the organization with support for three years. Can you tell us a little bit more about the grant and how it'll have an impact on Wabung?
10: Yes, with the grant from the Winnipeg Foundation, we have been fortunate and we're excited that we were able to hire an administrative coordinator who is essentially taking on many of the administrative duties within the organization that allows our staff to focus on programming, which allows our staff to work with the community without having to worry about those administrative duties that that often take us away from working one-on-ones with the community. And so because of this grant, Granting opportunity, it's allowed us to to look at sustainability, to look at succession, and have a strategic plan coming forward on how we can sustain our organization. And so, with um, and this is exciting for us because we now have some some breathing room that we are able to have a management team and some structure in our organization, and we're able to have goals and do these goals with the community and what Wabung Avenue, Jack will look like in three years, and five years, and ten years down the road. So we are very grateful for this granting opportunity opportunity Because it, it allows for another staff person, but it allows for programming to run effectively and efficiently. And so we're very, very grateful.
1: And on December 20th, so that's next Thursday, Wabung is hosting a holiday mix and mingle to raise funds for Feed 400, which is Wabung's community Christmas celebration. Tell us a little bit more about the fundraiser coming up.
10: Absolutely. Okay, so we have the hashtag Feed400. So it's our community Christmas celebration for children and their families um, who are impacted by domestic violence. And so last year, we're not able to provide Christmas for all of the families of Wabung Abinusiak due to limited resources. So this year, we decided to do a mix and mingle that is on December 20th from 6 to 8.30 at Nicolino's on Pemina. And what we're doing is we're trying to raise money to Feed400. And provide gifts and clothing to the children of Wabang, And the entire mission behind this fundraiser is the children and the families who come to Wabang, Jack are affected by domestic violence, and our goal is to allow our children to feel like children and for one day, whatever that may be on one day they get to experience presents and food and laughter. And so we're looking at raising funds, and we have a silent auction, but we are selling tickets um, to the event for $20, and we have support tickets for $10, and every support ticket sold, that will be a gift for a child. And so we have, with that growth um, that Wabang Abidusiak has experienced, we, we really want to make sure that every child has a Christmas this this holiday season.
1: If any of our listeners would like to learn more about Wabung or if they'd like to uh, to purchase a ticket to the Holiday Mix and Mingle, where can they go to get more information or to purchase tickets?
10: They can go to our website at www.wabung.org, so that's W A H B U N G, or they can call the center at 204 925 4610. And we're also on Facebook and we do Facebook posts every single day, uh, Wabung Avenue on Facebook. So so they are more than welcome to call us. We would love it. Also, if people are looking for more information or would like to learn more about any of our programming, please give us a call and we would be more than happy to um, to talk to folks.
1: So again, the Holiday Mix and Mingle is happening on Thursday, December 20th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. And uh, and that's at Nicolino's 2077 Pemina Highway. Thank you so much to Dana Riccio-Arabi, the Executive Director of Wabung Abunujieg for speaking with me today
10: thank you so much for having me it was uh it was my honor
0: thanks robert we've got time for one more song before we say goodbye today so here is tommy dorsey with stop look and listen you're listening to river city 360 on 93.7 cjnu That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well.
1: If you'd like to hear more RC 360, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, you can do so at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org.
0: River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM
1: and we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hello, tell us how we're doing, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, the number is 204-944-9474, extension 360.
0: You can search us out on social media as well by searching for at WPGFDN on Twitter, and by searching for the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Becknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening,
1: and we'll see you next week with our fourth season finale. Have a great day and a great weekend.